Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Uh, but but today uh, we're going to dive into this new series called All Together Now. And bef- before we sort of get into the content of it, I want to just set up like why we're doing this series and why we chose to put it right now. Um, you know, as we're coming on the end of summer, as we're easing into the school year and tiptoeing into the fall, uh, we have September and then October, which is uh, famously one of our favorite months of the year, October, which is family month, which is an entire month where we have wall-to-wall family activities, and we talk about how to have healthy relationships with our family. And uh, this is sort of the month leading up to that. And I would tell you that this is really less of, you know, uh, this series is really less of a group of talks that I'm going to give and more of a group of challenges that we're all going to take. And the reason for that is, is because faith requires action. Like we, we have to actually do something with what we claim to believe in order for it to really make a difference. And in fact, uh, James, who's the brother of Jesus, he talks about this idea a lot, but he says it this way in uh, a book that he writes, James chapter two. He says, faith by itself isn't enough. It, it, unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. There's a lot going on here, but essentially part of what he's saying is that we all get to places in our life where we just sort of feel stuck. And maybe on the end of summer, kind of going back into the school year, but it's like a different school year, but it's kind of weird, and you're sort of climbing back into like, life's going to be normal, and then you're like, just joking, Delta variant, you know what I mean? Like, and what's life going to be like? And, and sometimes we, we feel stuck, and sometimes when we get stuck uh, spiritually, it's not always that we don't know what to do next, but that we're not sure we want to do it, or at least not right now. Because we just feel like, I don't know, it's like, if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ready. Uh, we, can, we can tell, I think, sometimes that the next step that God has for us is really going to stretch us. And so we stall. Anybody else, like, you're amazing at stalling? I'm incredible at it. Right? Like making excuses and, and rationalizing and sort of pushing back from it and avoiding the subject. And, you know, when we do this, because we're not putting our faith into practice, it doesn't end up having much impact on us or the people around us. And because we're, we're scared of being stretched, what ends up happening is our faith ends up slowly dying, which is depressing. And that's how I wanted to start coming back, just being super depressing. <laughs> but no, here's the good news. This does not have to be your story, because here's what is also true, and this is the root of this series, is that everything is a lot less scary when you are surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that you trust who will support you by doing it with you. And I really believe that that's what the church is for. The church is this environment where we can come in and be open and honest about like, I'm, I'm kind of stuck where I am and I want to go further. I want to grow more. I want to become better. I need some help because I, I can tell that I'm stalling and I, I need to move forward, but I, I don't know that I can do it on my own. 
And one of the New Testament writers says it this way in the book of Hebrews. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And maybe you wonder, what does that, what does that mean? And essentially what he's saying is, let's dream up creative ways to help each other move forward in our faith. Let's motivate one another. And, and, and the reality of it is, um, the most productive way to help someone get unstuck isn't really to preach at them, but to participate with them. And maybe you've noticed this inside of your own life, that this is the sort of the way that you work. Like, don't just tell me what to do. Show me how to do it. Do it with me. Do it alongside me. Let's go together. Model for me what's next for me. And so, you know, during this series, we are going to talk about a series of topics. But more than that, we're going to take a series of next steps. And maybe for some of you, you've taken some of these steps before. But we want to see what kind of breakthrough can happen in your life, in our lives, in our community together if we take these steps all together now. And just so that there are no surprises as we're moving forward, I'm just going to tell you the things that I'm going to ask you to do as we move forward. Uh, this week we're going to talk about serving. I'm going to challenge you to serve next week, giving, and then inviting, and then baptizing. And I'm going to ask you to, each and every one of you, to step up and do these things. Um, and maybe for the first time, maybe walking through someone as they're taking this next step. And um, this is where we're going to go. Like these, this, these are the punchlines of all the messages. And some of you are already like, okay, I don't need to be here week two. Uh, let's see what else we got. But I think you do. I think you need to be here for these because um, when we all move forward together, it changes our collective story. And so that's what we're going to do together for the next four weeks. And, uh, and we're going to start right now. And so the title of my message today is A Tale of Two Cliffs. The Tale of Two Cliffs. Now, when I was in uh, college, uh, I was a part of this, this ministry team. We traveled around, and we did high school assemblies. And so we would do, like, these comedy sketches, and we would talk and sort of teach life skills uh, to kids. And this month, we would invite them to a youth rally at a church afterwards. And um, one of the first trips we took, we crammed into this, like, really nasty 12-passenger van. There's 12 of us. And we went to uh, Bloomington, Indiana. And my, my, two of my friends that kind of helped lead this team were from there. They'd grown up there. And we were going to do some school assemblies at the schools that they grew up going to. And they were so excited for us to go. And they were really excited about showing us around their town and sort of taking us to all the places they used to go. And one of the places they wanted to take us was this this quarry. There was a quarry that they were mining slate from, and it had been used in uh, high-rises and, and uh, skyscrapers all around the world. And they, these kids had been going there since they were like eight or nine years old and just sort of running wild through there, which now sounds crazy now that I'm a parent. But at the time, I was like, wow, that's awesome. And they took us there, and we were essentially just like running around this quarry together, which at first I was like, that's weird. But it was like, it was really fun to sort of climb up and, and walk around and just, and just sort of hike this quarry. And they took us up to a very specific spot. And it was this point in the quarry where you'd get up, and it just sort of, there was a drop, like a huge drop. I know this is hard to visualize, and so I brought a sketch, a very high-class sketch of this. And this is essentially what it was. You were up on this, this perch, which is nicely depicted by this very elaborate stick man. And 
we were sort of looking down, and they were telling us, because like, in case you're not, your mind isn't putting the scale together, there was like a 40-foot drop. There's a, a sort of a six-foot across thing, and there's another perch that was like maybe like four feet down, but it was only maybe two to three feet wide. And we're all standing there, all 12 of us, and we're looking down from one perch to the next perch, and we're looking at this like dead drop ravine, and we're listening to these guys be like, we have come here almost like twice a week since we were kids, since we were like eight years old. And every single time we come, we always end up in this one spot. It's the same thing every time. We stand here and we look down and we're like, ah, we're going to do it. We're going to jump it. We are going to jump the dotted line. We're going to jump the dotted line and we're going to land on the perch, right? We're going to conquer the fear. We're going to make it happen. And we're going to see what's on the other side of this thing. And, and, and for years we've been doing that. We can't even tell you how many hours we have stood on the edge of this cliff being like, today is the day. Let's go. Do you remember doing this as a kid where you're like, one, two. Okay, so hold on. Just real quick. Don't, don't, don't touch me. Like, you need to back up, okay? And then like, okay. One, is, did you feel a breeze? I felt like a breeze. It's like a breeze. I don't know if it's a good day. For yeah, it's not. I don't. I don't feel good about it. I feel like there's could be like a like a tornado or something, right? And you're it's just every imaginable excuse because we're well aware that if we mistime this, we don't do it right. We are going to fall to our death, and it freaks us out. And so for years we've been coming up, telling ourselves we're going to do it, and we've just we've we've never done it. And as they're telling us this, as they're explaining all of this. My, my roommate, who was a part of our team, who's with us, is listening to this story, and he's sort of looking at the situation, and it was a little bit of a daredevil, and he takes a couple of steps back, like, and then steps forward and just leaps and fell to his death. No, I'm just kidding. That would be horrible. Why would I tell that my first week back? That is, no, he leaps across the thing and he lands on this little perch and he landed so perfectly and then spun around and just held his arms up in the most cocky fashion and was just like, what have you been afraid of all this time? And I was like, that guy is amazing. And they were both like, we hate you. You know what I mean? Like they just watched him do it. And he's like, guys, seriously, you can do this. Like today really is the day. And what happened next was, it was insane. All, all 12 of us, we just took turns leaping off this cliff and landing on this perch together. And just one by one. And, and every single time they're like, okay, okay, I'm next, I'm next. And then they couldn't do it. You know, these two guys, they just, they'd spent so much time staring at it and telling themselves a story about how they're going to die that they just couldn't make it happen and, and yet, as the day progressed at, on this perch, more and more people ended up on the other side. And, and finally, the two of them were the last two to jump. All but one of us in that group of 12 jumped over. And, uh, and then the, the other girl, she, we left her there. She just, she's probably still there. I don't know what happened to her. No, she hiked down to the bottom. But it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And I, the thing that, that it makes me think, every time I think back on this story is... You had years of almost that were broken open by one moment of altogether now. I just think of the power of that. 
staring at something, standing on the edge of something and not being able to do it. And I think we all have these moments in our own lives. And I think this happens to us even spiritually, right? Where maybe you are finding yourself sort of stuck and you find yourself doing the same thing. You, you come up to the edge of something that God is asking you to do, challenging you to do, inviting you into, and you stare over the cliff and you're just like, I'm going to do it. This is going to be it. Whatever. And then right, you're like, I don't know. I, uh, and you, you talk yourself out of it. You pull back. And maybe for years, God has wanted to take you to a new place and grow you in new ways, but it requires you to do something that you just can't bring yourself to do. And you know what's crazy? Not only did they do it, but all of us felt deeply connected because we'd done it together. We did this thing that seemed like it was going to be impossible to do, something that not all of us weren't even sure that we wanted to do, but we did together. And it connected us. And even today, like when, when we connect, we talk about this moment. We talk about this story, this thing that we did, that we endured, that bonded us in some strange way. Because this is how you and I work. And I wonder if you've noticed this about yourself. That often the people that we feel the closest to are those that we did difficult things in proximity to. Like, this is the way that, that life works. I wonder if you've ever had that moment where someone's like, how did you become friends? And you're like, oh, how did we become? i tell you what happened. We survived eighth grade together, <laughs> okay? Like, once you go through that, it just, it bonds you in a certain way. We, we trained for a triathlon together. I mean, we didn't actually do the triathlon, but we started the training, and it was hard. It was difficult. It bonded us, right? We like, you know, we, we, we outlasted a bad boss together. Remember when they took over, it's like, we're all doomed. And we, you know what? We're still here and they're gone. We did it. And just like surviving that, it did something to us. We made it through our kids' teenage years together. I mean, I thought somebody was going to die and it was definitely going to be the children. We were going to kill them. But we did it. Like we survived. We made it through. We traveled to this country where we didn't know the customs. We didn't speak the language. We went there and it was just like, we made it together. We survived it. We, we have all these stories from what we went through and experienced together. We kicked an addiction together. Both of us thought we would be stuck forever, but we're not. We went through chemo together. We faced our, our deaths together, and we're, we're still here. We buried my father together. There are these difficult things that we experience in life that forever bond us to the people that we walk through them with. And I'll tell you, like, if you really want to cement in close connections, don't just do difficult things together. Do them on purpose for a values-driven purpose because the reality is people bond when they collectively inconvenience themselves to contribute to something bigger than themselves. And notice I said contribute, not critique. Because that is a way that you can bond by critiquing something that's bigger than yourself. That's what our culture loves to do. Let's talk about everything we hate. And that will bond you in a very dark and destructive way. But contributing to something that's bigger than you, something that's actually having a positive impact, it, it, it changes you and them in the process. It cements you together. And I'm sure you have these stories in your life where you're like, we fought for this together. 
We stood up for that together. We sacrificed to make this happen. We raised the money. We sweat through the experience together. And the reason why I bring this up is, you know, in a culture that is really driven by comfort and convenience and leisure and entertainment and FOMO, I can't help but wonder if we are slowly short-circuiting our ability to experience true camaraderie by trying to make everything as easy as possible, by avoiding having to step in and do things that we don't want to do with people that we really don't know that well. And I wonder, you know, think about how many times maybe you've thought this, maybe even just the last year, year and a half. I wonder if you've had this thought of like, man, I wish I had more close friends. And maybe at the same time, you have this other competing thought that was like, but also like, I don't want to be uncomfortable or do anything that makes me like feel socially awkward. And I also, I don't want to go anywhere and I don't want to have to meet new people and I don't want to have to do anything hard. Is there like a service where you could just like order a friend and they have to just like come to your house and like, I don't know, is that weird? Can we start that? And I wonder like, if we're working against ourselves. And here's the question that I, I want to invite you to wrestle with uh, this morning. Is like, could, it, could it be that, that some of us don't feel deeply connected to anyone else because we don't spend much time sacrificing for meaningful causes alongside anyone else? And so the one thing that we really need in our lives to connect us to relationships that feel meaningful, we've sort of edited out. And this brings me, of course, to the second cliff. And it's a story that's found in the, the Old Testament. I want to just read this as sort of a case study today and make some observations. It's in the book of uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 14. And it's a story about uh, the, the prince of Israel and this, this strange situation that unfolds. And this is what it says. It says, one day, Jonathan, who's the prince, said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines, this is their arch nemesis that they're at war with, where they have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Those of you that are parents, you're like, first tip that this is maybe not going to, you know, be a great idea, right? Usually when you're like, let's go do this thing, don't tell dad, okay? That's how the story starts. To reach the outpost, Jonathan had to climb down between two rocky cliffs. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or a few. To which I would be wondering, did you mean a few or two? Feel like you're using vague language to act like there's gonna be a bunch of people. Is this gonna be like last time where I show up and I get all excited and I'm like, oh, it's just the two of us, right? You've been there before where it's like, hey, come to a party and you're like, oh, you mean a date with you? This ain't a party. You're the only one here. I'm not gonna fall for that again. If I'm this guy, I am not interested in anything that's happening right here. If I'm the armor bearer, like sure, it's a noble mission, right? I get that, but it's a bad plan. The odds of winning or even like surviving this are ridiculous. And you notice his sales tactic. He's like, perhaps the Lord will be with us. Perhaps. Perhaps means maybe. 
If I'm gonna like sacrifice my life and like risk death, you gotta do better than maybe. We should go do this thing. Maybe God will help us. Really? I need like a guarantee. Maybe is not like great like insurance talk. But here's this guy's talk. This is what he says back to his friend. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 7. He says, do what you think is best. The armor bearer replied, I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Other translations sometimes translated this. They translate the armor bearer as saying this. I'm with you, heart and soul. That's intense. It's also really rare, right? I mean, that's, that's not the way that our culture works. Like, that's not sort of the way that, that we, in, like, we're more like, if somebody asks us to do something in our culture, we're more like, I might be with you half-heartedly, sort of on occasion, as long as nothing comes up. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what's going to happen what else I might get invited to, or unless it's too hot. I don't like it when it's hot. I don't like sweating and just like, and if it rains, I'm definitely not coming. Also, I'm going to need you to do everything the way I want it done all the time. You know what? We'll see. I'm going to say we'll see for now. Count me as a firm maybe, okay? And you can quote me on that. This is what we do, right? And we all do this to each other, but we, it's not what we want from each other. We want people that will serve alongside us heart and soul, especially when what we're going after is something that really matters to us, something that we are convinced could really change the course of our corner of the world, that could make life a little bit better. You know, in essence, like we, we, we want friends like this. We want friends that, that know us, that we can be honest with, that will be honest with us that we can be vulnerable and transparent with friends who are committed to really doing life alongside us, who will show up when we need them, who will inconvenience themselves on our behalf, who will excitedly invest in our success. Friends we can trust to challenge us and hold us accountable to the things that we said that we wanted to do, who are always looking for ways to encourage us and build our confidence. Friends who expand our thinking, who enable us to see the world from a big picture perspective. Like, isn't this what you want? And yet, I think it's, it's tempting to look at this story and think like, ah, I wish I had an armor bearer to do this for me. But I want to just flip the perspective for a minute. What if, what if this is not a story about what you think it's about? What, what, if, what if this, in this story, like, what if this is, isn't like framing you as Jonathan in need of an armor bearer? What if this story is about you being an armor bearer in need of a Jonathan? What if, in fact, committing to a righteous cause is the key to fulfilling your desire for a relational connection? I, I, sometimes I don't think we understand that the two things are intertwined and we get them out of order. There's something that we say in one of our discipleship classes, we, which we call Discover. And we have this saying where we say, like, everything that we're desperate to get from someone else, we are designed to give to someone else. 
It's this idea that like a lot of times we're sitting around waiting for something to come to us. And yet what God is wanting us to do is to step out and actually offer others what it is we're hoping to get from them. And that sets off a chain reaction that is reciprocal. In fact, it's often in the, the giving that the getting is unleashed, that one triggers the other. In this story, in verse 8, Jonathan goes on, he says, all right then, we will cross over and let them see us. Now, this plan just goes from bad to worse. This is horrible, <laughs> like military strategy, right? Here's what we're going to do. Now that you said yes and can't back out, we're going to cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and we will not go up to them. Okay, that's part I like, right? But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. And that'll be a sign that he will, the Lord will help us defeat them. To which I would reply, did he tell you that personally? Or is this like an assumption that you're making? Is this something inside your head? Or do you have some sort of a proof that God really said that? I really need to know, okay? Because you're asking me to really risk a lot. And this guy's all the way in. I love that he's just like, I'm with you heart and soul. And he's like, good, we're gonna go let them see us. And then if they're just like, hey, come up here, then we're gonna go up and we'll just win, right? And it's like, is it too late to back out and just do an erase heart and soul? I don't want to, but he doesn't do that. Like, I, because this may be even hard to visualize how insane this death trap is, I brought you another pencil sketch. This is next level. I know some of you are like, is that two sugar cubes and ants? It's not, you guys. It's the two cliffs, right, that surround this valley. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, this is his idea. We're just going to go through. The other army is looking down. Could easily just shoot an arrow, slingshot, whatever. They're dead, right? And yet... Um, they're just going to walk out in the middle, taunt them, and see what happens. And the guy's reaction, the armor bearer's reaction is, yeah, sounds good to me. Let's do it. I'm all in. This is what it says in verse 11. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. The whole army was just standing off, hiding. Come on up here. And we'll teach you a lesson. That's not what I want to hear. Jonathan, like when he hears this, is like, oh yeah. This is the come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. And so they climbed up using both hands and feet. Now, this is fascinating to me for a lot of reasons, but I there's not a wasted word in this last sentence here. It says they climbed. In other words, they did it together. They were committed to each other and to the cause. They were moving forward. Whatever they were going to do, they were going to do together. They climbed together. It says that they used both their hands and their feet. In other words, it's telling us that like everything they are, everything they have, they are fully devoted. They are all in. They're moving forward. Whatever it takes, they're going to make it happen. They're fully committed to contributing to the cause, which is crazy because they're fully exposed, they're vulnerable, they're outnumbered, they're more likely to die than to live. 
They're guaranteed to be exhausted once they get up there. I mean, think about what they have to do. Like, they're going to have to climb that cliff. Like, come on up here, we'll fight you. Like, just a quick second. And then they're like, just climbing, like scaling a mountain. And then once they get up there, it's like, okay, now let's fight an army, just the two of us. I can't even climb over my backyard fence, you guys. It's not, how are you even going to have the strength to make this happen? And yet, before I tell you what happened, I want you to understand something. When it comes to what God wants to do in and through you, passionate action pointed in God's direction is more powerful than a perfect plan. And I think sometimes we forget this. Now, I'm not saying that planning is pointless. In fact, anybody who knows me knows this is not the way I think. Like my staff, my family, I love planning. I love plotting. I love trying to figure out what the best thing to do is and how to move forward and how do we strategize and how do we set up where are we going and let's think out in advance. But sometimes I think for a lot of us, we don't end up contributing anything because we're holding out for the perfect thing. And I gotta tell you, there is no perfect thing. It doesn't exist. It's a myth. And what makes this and every miracle story so special is that these guys, they link arms and they listen to God and they do something while an entire army is sitting inside tents, scared, doing nothing. This is what happens. It says they climbed up using both hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. And suddenly, a panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. I love the throwaway statements in the Bible. It's like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then a giant earthquake. Let's move on. It's like, wait, back up. The earthquake? What in the world is happening? It's like this this natural phenomenon. It's the storyteller's way of saying, like, God is doing something on their behalf. And yet the turning point of it all was one person turning to another person and saying, okay, I'm ready to jump. I'm all in, even if it costs me. Because the truth is, all of the Israelites, like everybody, they, they, everybody wanted to win the war. It's just that nobody wanted to fight it. Everybody wanted to feel deeply connected to the cause, but they just didn't want to commit. And this is what I can't help but wonder. Like, what personal and communal breakthroughs are being held back by your lack of buy-in? I wonder if you're honest with yourself today. I wonder what things God wants to do in your life in your story, in your family, in our community. And you have been led by God right up to the edge. And you know what's next is going to stretch you, and so you're stalling. And your lack of buy-in is actually holding back the breakthrough that you and those around you are desperate for. I think sometimes what holds us back is like, you know, we think like, well, once I get settled in and I get to know more people and I just like, then I'm going to, then I'll serve. 
But I think that's backwards because in reality, what the truth is, is that when you commit and contribute to a cause, the people that you partner with become your community despite your differences. When you link arms with people and you're like, we're going to do this thing no matter what, people that you're like, we have nothing in common. They're like, we couldn't be more different. There's a lot of things I don't like about you. One of them's your face. You start forging ahead and running after a cause that's meaningful. Suddenly you're like, oh my God, these are my people. Over my sabbatical, I read a lot of books and I read this one book that was a memoir of this military seal. And he, he, he goes into really like elaborate detail talking about these different people that showed up to Hell Week with him and just how different they were. Like different Different backgrounds, different, you know, family stories, different experiences, different levels of preparation, different views of the world. He said that, like, if he, after he describes him, he's like, if I would have seen almost any of these people on the street, I would have just been like, we, we will never get along. I don't like you. You probably don't like me. We have nothing in common. And he goes on to say that that would have been true before Hell Week. But after Hell Week, it was a totally different story. Because of everything that they had clawed through and suffered through and all the challenges that they'd overcome and the way that they'd supported each other and had each other's back, the way that they learned to count on each other and move forward, like something about that bonded them. It formed them into a band of brothers. Because that's what happens. Like those who band together, bond together. And this really isn't just something about like military life or military training, right? This is just the truth about humanity. Let me tell you a secret about, about spiritual communities. Maybe you've looked around and you're just like, I don't get it. Like, why are there other people here that just seem so much more connected and they seem like they have like friends and they seem like, like they know more people and like they feel more comfortable and more themselves. And the reality of it is those who feel most connected are typically those who serve most consistently. And this has always been true as long as I have been doing church ministry. This is just a reality of the way that things work. But here's the good news for you. Like all the plans that our teams have here for the future are way better than anything Jonathan ever came up with. I mean, I've been gone for a little bit. Right? I haven't had all my one-on-ones yet since I got back. But I don't think anything that our teams are planning to do involve like, you know, a 75% chance of death as you scale a mountain together and you're going to get shot by arrows and have to sword fight for your destiny. Some of you are disappointed because you're like, that actually sounds like a team I'd want to be a part of. But here's the thing. Here's what signing up to serve will do. It'll inconvenience you. You will have to get up earlier than you intended to. You're going to have to stay later. You're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to rub shoulders with people who are different from you. Maybe even some people who annoy you. You may have to do some tasks that you think are beneath you, that you're not automatically good at, that don't make you shine on the first day. You're definitely going to have to miss out on some other things in order to do this thing. 
And maybe you're thinking like, well, you should just make it easier. <laughs> and then people would do it. But I don't think that would work because the difficulty commitment re- requires is what makes the commitment and the connection so rewarding. The commitment fuels the connection. When we know that we have to go through something difficult to make it happen, it makes the interactions more meaningful. There's no way to shortcut the process. This is part of the reason why scripture tells us over and over again to build and realize our dependence on one another, to work to serve each other. One of the writers of the New Testament says it this way in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 4. He says, just as our bodies have many parts, we are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. And in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Verse 10, so love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Do you know what this word laziness, like the root word actually means? It means showing up and expecting everyone else to do all the work. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve. And not just serve, but serve enthusiastically with a level of, I'm kind of looking forward to this. I, it's an adventure. I want to see what's going to happen. I get to do it. I don't have to do it. See, the early church mentality wasn't showing up and thinking, like, what are you going to do to get me connected? Instead, their mentality was, what can I do to help further our cause? And this expectation changes everything. And here's the brilliance of this. The second question answers the first. Because the the, the reality of it is, if you come to me or anyone on my team and you're just like, what are you going to do to get me connected? What we would say is, we are going to help you find your fit so that you can further our collective cause. Because once you commit and you begin to contribute and you begin to serve and sweat alongside other people, when you begin to sacrifice alongside other people, you'll look up one day and realize these are my people. I fit, I belong This is what I've been looking for. These are the people I've been looking for. And man, before this experience, if I would have seen them on the street, I would have been like, not for me. I don't think so. I mean, just to scroll through their Facebook page and I'll be like, oh no. But once we start serving side by side, pursuing something bigger than the both of us together, something shifts in us and between us. but think that that some of these Old Testament stories of, of passionate partnership, like the one of Jonathan and his armor bearer, influenced this mindset in the early church. 
And I would tell you the same thing. The kind of connection that you are after ultimately will require you to serve someone else on a consistent basis. And this is what happened in this story to this guy. This armor bearer, he lives an incredible adventure, something he never could have imagined for his life. He did something that turned the tide of history. He becomes an essential part of a story that is read and reread. He becomes inspiration to millions and millions of people who reflect on his commitment and sacrifice. He becomes best friends with the son of the king, and not because they had a lot in common, but because he wasn't afraid to fully commit to the cause and serve alongside someone who believed in it just as much as him. And I, I just, I wonder what might click into place in your story if you simply committed to serve here now. So here's the challenge. Here's what I want to invite everyone here to do today, and that is to sign up today to serve somewhere for the month of October. As we are expecting uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of people to both come back to church, but new people we've never even seen in our community coming into and becoming a part of our church for the first time in family month, it's going to take a lot of people to serve them. But here's the thing. It's not just about what God wants to use you to do in their lives. It's about what that process will do in your life. But here's the catch to this. And here's the whole premise behind this series. It doesn't really work if we don't all do it together now. Some of you are like, wait a minute. Okay, I see what you did there with that title. And this is the concept that these things are not just a series of sermons. It's a series of challenges for us all to do this together right now. Not later, not like eventually it's a moment in which we're all standing on the edge of a cliff and refusing to make excuses or negotiate or, or come up with a million different reasons about why today is not today. Today is everybody's day. And here's the beauty. I'm not even challenging you to do it like next week or the week after. I'm saying sign up today in order to begin to try out or test drive a team that you can be on for the month of October. You get to the end of October and you're just like, that was terrible. I did not like that. I don't like any of these people, you know, contributing my uh, energy to expand the kingdom of God. What a waste. Then you know what? We will let you off that team. Okay. But even more than that, sometimes it's just not going to be your fit. We'll find you another place to serve. But I just want to see what would happen. What kind of breakthroughs might take place in your life, in your family, in our community if we do this all together now? In just a moment, Pastor Nate's going to come out and tell you practically how you can sign up to serve today. And um, before that, though, I just want to pray that God would give you the courage to do it to actually step into the adventure of what's next, to stop stalling and to take this next step. Maybe because you need it, maybe because the person next to you or across from you, down the row from you, they need to see you do it to have the courage to do it themselves. And I wanna pray that God would give you that courage in this moment today. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? 
as we pray. Father, thank you so much for the life that you've given us, for the way that you love us. God, for the way that you don't just give us life, but you show us the best way to live. And God, in this moment, I pray that you would fill our hearts with the courage to push our fear aside, to step into it, through it, past it, and God, to step into what you have set up for us next. God, as we take these next steps week by week, all together now, God, may you inspire not just us with what we're capable of that we never thought we were, but that you would use our story, our steps to inspire the steps of someone else. God, that you would begin to expand our church, our impact, both here and in heaven. God, give us the courage not just to sign up, but to show up and to follow through, to not be lazy, but to work hard and to serve with excitement, with anticipation, with excellence. God, we ask that as we follow you, that you would do more in and through us than we could ever even imagine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.